Welcome to the Vitality Shift Podcast for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. Weekly, we will be interviewing amazing chiropractors from around the world, finding out how they made their vitality shift. If you're a chiropractor that either wants to just move your practice away from treating pain and conditions, or if you just want to stay inspired, this podcast is for you. For more information on past shows, please visit www.drdonmcdonald.com, and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello there, podcast listeners. Hope you guys are doing good. We're excited to have the podcast running up again. Um, we just wanted to do a quick announcement. Um, we only open the Vitality Shift online program two times a year, and this is the time it's open. So we're opening it from October 15th to the 22nd, and I think this podcast comes out on October 16th. Um, if you go to www.thevitalityshift.com, you'll be able to find out details. Um, you can look through the sales page, uh, see what's all involved in there. Um, if you've been thinking about joining our community, uh, just let you know, like I said, we only do it short times per year, uh, usually a week at this time and a week in about six months from now. So uh, if you've ever been thinking of joining the Vitality Shift, this is the time to do it. So we hope to see you on the page and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Vitality Shift Podcast. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and uh, today I have a, a special guest that I've known for a really long time. Um, when I was first dating Brandy, uh, I think we were dating for a big three weeks, and then, you know, I'd been courting her for four months, and then all of a sudden she said, oh, I just got a job in Vegreville, Alberta, which is an hour away from Edmonton, and I was like, oh, and so uh, I went, at, at that time, I, just, I got a... a locum position at a chiropractor office out in, in Beggarville and I work two days a week and uh, I remember this guest I'm just going to interview he he was like very welcoming and uh, very much the same mindset as I was and uh, from that time on I've known uh, Dr. Dan Fisher who we're interviewing today for for that whole time since I've been in practice and he's been in the shift and and we've really seen a lot of growth in him over the last little while and uh, and I'm super excited to interview him today so welcome to the podcast Dr. Dan. Thanks, Don. It's been a while, hey? It, it has been a little while. <laughs> this is awesome, man. Just before, just our pre-call uh, uh, talk, um, there's even some stuff that came up that I didn't even know about Dan, so this is going to be very fun, so we get to go back and kind of dive into his whole story. So, how did you even figure out about this crazy profession in the first place? Why did you become a chiropractor? Well, you know, everybody thinks that uh, people are first or second or third generation chiropractors, and actually... Um, parents didn't go to a chiropractor. Nobody went to a chiropractor whatsoever. Um, my brother who works for Safeway was the one that was going for chiropractic care because of course, being a produce manager, lifting bananas, lifting crates of potatoes and stuff like that, mechanical low back pain. Yeah. Um, when I was nine, I went from four foot 11 to five foot 11 in a year. So I grew a foot. And as you can think of what happens to the body, a lot of muscle spasms, a lot of erector spasms. My legs were just intense pain all the time. Uh, shin splints, couldn't walk. Uh, the medical side said to, um, they were going to cut the shins, the anterior shins open, because they, they thought they'd need more room for the muscles to grow. So like somehow I had bizarre big calves and they wanted to cut everything open. <laughs> and I, I had to, my brother had to go to the chiropractor. My mom was going to work and I was baggage. So he said, go along with your brother. And I actually walked into the office of Dr. Dan Martin in Edmonton. No way. And uh, Dan uh, is mutual friends between Don and I, but uh, Dan Martin uh, took care of my brother. And when he saw me get out of a chair, he said, what's wrong with your brother? And he said, oh, it's just growing pains. And Dan was persuasive enough that said, no, that's not it. So that's where I started my chiropractic care. Started with Dr. Uh, Dan Martin in Edmonton. And probably within a month or so, uh, no pains whatsoever. Of course, in medicine side, it was a miraculously recovered. and uh, It all went in remission. It was just random, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, fast forward, I went through uh, not only feeling pain-free, but actually excelling in all my athletics through Dr. Martin. And then when I talked to him later on in life, he said that uh, I was worse patient, only there when I had pain, when I didn't have pain, wasn't there. <laughs> and then I started playing football and he said, Hey, for performance wise, do you want to go onto the field with the best body or just a body? And I said, best body. So he would adjust me Thursday nights before the game. So I could go into the field the best I could. And then he'd adjust me Monday because of the game. 
and I get adjusted Monday. And then Monday through Thursday, my friends beat me up in practice. Thursday, I get adjusted. So during football, it was just twice a year or twice a twice week. Twice a week, yeah. Because that's just what it was. And excelled through football. Um, actually missed um, – I went to U of A. And the U of A, they had a thing. The football team was picked already. And being a cocky 18-year-old, I said I could make it. And <laughs> the head coach had a, a 13th man thing where they said anybody who – didn't try out for a football team who thought they could just walk onto a team coming out and try. So I wa- walked in a week later as part of the U of A Golden Bears football team. Cool. And uh, played a couple of games with them. Um, the one that changed my life was uh, I got, I remember two hits on one game. The first one, I'm a punt returner. I get the football and you have to realize that you have 12 people who want to rip your head off coming down at you at full speed. And I thought that was the coolest rush of adrenaline all the time. <laughs> right. Whoever wanted your adrenaline and sympathetics to kick in is on a punt return. And I go in because I think that I was a, just a walk on on camp and I didn't do the six weeks of hard grueling um, training with everybody else. They sort of missed their blocks on a couple of people. I think even like purposely. So they knew that I was going to be uh, welcomed into the team. And I remember lying on the ground and asking my friend, I said, don't move me. I'm blind. I can't see whatsoever. And he goes, just hold on. I said, no, I can't see. And he had actually stepped on me and he turned my helmet sideways because I was looking out the ear hole. They had grabbed my helmet and twisted around that much. No way. <laughs> so that was my first experience. And the second one, same game running through line, the people give me the football and do a couple of really good runs. And the third time I go through the line and this big tree trunk, this guy has 21 inch arms, came swinging down, clocked me. I spun around on the ground and I was out for the rest of the game. And I went and I phoned Dr. Martin's office the next morning and his assistant, Tammy answered the call. I said, Tammy, I need an appointment this morning. It was a hard game. And she goes, Oh, Dr. Martin already saw the film. He says, your appointment's at nine 30. So I went in, <laughs> Dan checked me, and, and Dan was, is a really good chiropractor, and the main thing is that he always checked head to toe and adjusted what was necessary, And because sometimes I'd say, my low back hurts, and it'd be a left atlas, and i go like, what the hell, oh, doc, you got it all wrong, it's on the other end, and he went through that day, and he made me lie down, and he goes, oh, you got it bad, oh, you got it, you got it really good, I think you got it, and I go, like, God, what, and when I got off the table, he said, I think you have the brains to be a chiropractor. And he gave me the chiropractic book to enter CMCC. And he goes, you should do this for a living. And I went, no, 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 playing football. That's what I'm doing. And he said, no, take care of football players, but you should do this. And that was the pivotal point because I said, do this for a living. And every year now in practice, this is my 29th year. I send a card to Dr. Martin and say, thank you very much for having the insight to tell somebody that I should actually be a chiropractor. Oh, that's so cool. Because that, that, again, you never know, even with all the chiropractors out there, whenever you just mention something to any of your practice members or patients, you never know when that's going to change someone's life, right? Exactly. And, and that was that was altering right there. Because at that point, you know, you, you don't think and you know, any 18 year old who tells you that they have their life down, it's, it's probably the coolest thing they want to do. Um, but I can actually say, you know, I still think on Friday, when I was finished practice, we we're buzzing at 430 and 530 at night. And the person saw me by herself at 8.30 in the morning and saw me with her child at 5.30 at night. And she says, you're still on the same amount. I said, well, because I have a cool profession, like (laughs) whether it's playing football or playing, watching or helping the football players now. And I said, you know what, when I was a kid playing football, it was twice a week. I said, so, you know, I think it should be twice a week, right, mom? And she goes, well, just that makes sense. So when, when it makes sense to people, people are willing to buy, buy into it and adopt it as a part of their lifestyle. When you try to push it, I don't think it works very well. Mm, yeah, it's, it's pretty tough. It's like that parental over like really taking the time to connect with people and really getting them to understand the why they're under care, right? Exactly. So you so you so then you decided right on the spot you're going to CMCC? Is that what, what happened? Yeah, I, I went and I went to, I said, you know what? I was finishing my, my uh, science degree in yeah, the U of A, quit football, and uh, decided that I had one more course to take and I decided that, you know, it sounded really good. So I took one more full year course. And I have a degree in physics first. So I got oh, wow. to be, you know, it sounded like, wow, why would I ever use my physics degree? But now looking back, it's every single line of drive, every single causation that anything could happen to a human body. I say I got this covered because of the physics, but yeah, I went to CMCC for four years. Um, the registration was 
They said, well, what, what will you do if you don't get in? And my response was, what do you mean? All eggs, one basket. They said, well, what happens if you don't get in? I guess I'll try next time. I, I didn't have anything. And later on talking to uh, Dr. Morrison when the applications, I said, why did I get in? And they said, well, you were committed. You had no other direction that you wanted to do. It wasn't if you didn't get in, you'd go into dentistry or you'd try medicine. It was just, I was under chiropractic care, saw the experience of being under chiropractic care for from age nine to 21 with Dr. Martin and just said, well, this is, this is a cool thing to do. That's cool. So how was CMCC? Like, how was it? How was your experience there? Um, we were nicknamed Canadian Medical Chiro Memorial Medical College uh, because <laughs> of the fact that we were, it was very highly in our anatomy and our neurology were, we were top notch. Um, uh, at the time, um, uh, we had Dr. Coulter as our dean or our president of the Ian Coulter. Yeah. So he was very, um, set in looking at why chiropractic was working. He, he knew that we had a history of the hearing and the, we had the history of changing things. So he was looking at it and try, trying to see, well, what other things can chiropractic help with? We, we weren't so pigeonholed as we are today. I think CMC has changed a little bit since I've been in school there. It wasn't um, so like MSK focused before? No, no. We, we had different technique and we go into different technique rooms and it was the technique of the day because if, if you have a technique that you like more than the other doctor like the technique, then they'd say, no, no, you're going to learn a different technique today. But at the end of the day, all the chiropractors taught us said it's because we need to bring the body into a, uh, optimum health rather than just get rid of pain. So we learned five different ways from five different people because they all had the same purpose. They all said, let's remove subluxations. And now it seems like they removed the word subluxation, which is the ironic part. But um, I went to school in there and we had two clinics, uh, the main clinic up at, at Bayview and then downtown in, in, in Toronto, we had a, a satellite clinic. And I chose the satellite clinic with, um, it was much smaller. It was only 20 people per day, 20 interns a day instead of 100 up at Bayview, 50 a day. And I took it because I heard that we had more real life patients. We were farther away from the campus. So we didn't have friends and family just coming to help us with our numbers. Right. <laughs> downtown Toronto people that we were going to see all the time. And the second thing we heard from the, from the fourth years that there was three doctors we worked on their one. And I remember Dr. Ron King the most that he had a thing that saying that we had to check everything and just what was necessary. We're up at Bayview, the main campus, they had, site-specific or a person came in with neck pain, you had to take care of the neck pain. But if you wanted to go into a thoracic spine, you had to give research papers and you had to, you, you didn't open up any tins of worms. You didn't open up anybody's low back complaint because if they weren't asking for it, you couldn't touch it. Where right. Dr. King would say, but what happens if it's coming from there? Totally. So you, that, that was why I went down to that part. So being my intern there, it was a good experience because the fact that if we only wanted to, it was, if we only wanted to adjust the neck, they would grill us the other way. Well, did you check the low back? Did you check the foot? Did you check this? Yeah. Because function was all the way through. So that was my first experience when people said, why do people come in? And it was the structure or the function. Yeah. A lot of times when people said, my neck hurts, we'd hear, but the neck isn't the problem. They would be somewhere else. Right. Well, and that's so funny because uh, I, I, when I was at Palmer, that was the same sort of thing as you knew there's different staff doctors that had different focuses. And if you're, if you're a chiropractic student going through and you don't really know much about the different viewpoints of chiropractic, and all of a sudden you get somebody who's very site specific where you can only adjust where a pain is and you can't even check the rest of the spine, that would just change the whole trajectory of your, of your professional life. Right. So it's kind of, it starts right from school. Right. So because I heard it, because I heard from my chiropractor with Dr. Martin saying he's going to check everything. I think I always tell patients that that's one thing that I always tell people right now is I check everything and just what's necessary because they have to realize that they're not coming in as a shoulder. They're not coming in as a knee. They're not coming in as headaches or migraines that they're coming in as a full body. And so, yeah, if I can, yeah, so if I can impart that all the time in practice, then they may get it too. And they say, Oh, this thing all works together, which mm -hmm. is what we want. Well, I, I noticed too, when you're just having normal conversations with practice members and you say, sometimes where the pain is, isn't even the problem. And they go, yeah, I totally get that. Like nowadays, they, they seem like that just seems normal. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily have to be the problem. Yes. And then later on, we'll talk about when we've added some of the vitality testing, 
and we'll have people in the room watching their friends go through some of the testing procedures and then they go like wow man you must be really bad and but these people have no pain but they're, they're the performance isn't there and it's a very eye-opener when we can actually show them something that they've never seen before cool so what year did you graduate school 91 91 and so you graduate cmcc and then where do you like what did you do right after that did you start as an associate or open up your own practice or how did that go well, see, this is where Don has me all wrong because, in fact, he said, oh, you've been in Vegreville all your life. He said, nope, no, I was actually down the street. Um, I started in Edmonton. I grew up my entire life in Edmonton down by the Valley Zoo. So that was uh-huh. where I was going to start. Um, so I opened up with a, with a fellow uh, grad from CMCC. Uh, we moved back to the province together. She was looking for a uh, practice to open. So we entered into a partnership. We went to the bank. The bank was, wow, you know, two chiropractors. We'll, we'll give you lots of money that we didn't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we opened up our practice, um, right, basically uh, west end of Edmonton, and started practicing. And it was great. We, we thought that we were going to see hundreds of people. Of course, as soon as you open the door, everybody will flock. And right. I still remember, still remember it was three, three new patients and eight visits my first month being open. That was, that was it. That was the whole thing. <laughs> And I went, wow, this is not what we what we were supposed to do. Uh, Dr. Martin chimed in, and he had gone to Parker Seminars lots, and he was done his GTOs multiple times. And all of a sudden, I got like 30 new patients the next month. I said, oh, they must know I'm here. And what he had done is he had him and two other colleagues had stopped giving taking new patients for a week at a time. They said, we don't have any room, but if you phone Dr. Fisher's office, he'll get you right in. And it was the whole thing with Dr. Jim Parker saying that a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle, only the room got brighter. And when he asked me, how's it going? I said, oh, I got so many new patients. He, he didn't want to burst my bubble, but later on, I got the call later in my career to take a week off and I wasn't accepting new patients because Dr. Daryl Smith down the corner was just opening up and my colleague needed help and I did the exact same thing again. Oh, wow. So they had kind of like a little pact where they'd help out the new people and just kind of take, like they take rotations and send their new people there. Yeah. Because the fact that they knew that chiropractic, the only way that we were chiropractic was going to get stronger was to actually be unified through diversity that we actually could actually be colleagues and not competition down the block. Mm. I I don't look at the other chiropractor in town here as competition. Um, I say, well, Hey, when you see my colleagues say hi. And if you see me at 1030 on Tuesday, I go in and sometimes my, my former patients may put their heads down a little bit because they, they go, you're here. I said, well, I don't, can't adjust myself. I get adjusted by the other chiropractor in town. But totally. I said, I'm glad that you're actually bonding with him instead of me, but I'm glad you're still under care. Mm-hmm. There's no, no harm whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. So I practiced for, for two years that way beautifully and I was having a great time. And then I woke up on, on one Monday morning and I didn't have a practice anymore. And, uh, you know, like your family experiences and everything like that. Uh, my partner decided that um, when you're getting the partnership for new grads, realize that you're in partnership with the DC that you're with, their spouse, their lawyer, their business coach, everything. And they had this idea that they, they thought one of us was working harder than the other. Yeah. So what they did was um, they told the landlord and everything to, they were having troubles and that they would walk away unless they changed all the leases so what she what they did was they bounced their check, and when they bounced their check, it broke our lease, and she rewrote the entire leases and everything in her name only. Oh, and on really? Monday morning, I was brought in and said, "Hey, you work for me now if you want to be here." So oh wow, very enlightening on the business aspect of things. Yeah, and I walked out that day and I didn't know what to do, so I walked across the street to my colleague, not my competition, mm-hmm. and said. This is what happened. He goes, oh, hell no. And within 24 hours, I was working at his office and my practice just moved smoothly. And I just thought, and I own the phone system. So I changed the phone number to my, to my new location and you know, life goes on. But that was yeah. the, my first business experience was not a good one when you wake up and you don't have a practice. Wow. That's, um, yeah, that's pretty crazy when it's just like suddenly without any uh, notification, just like boom. <laughs> yeah. And then fast forward, work for three years, go to a seminar and, uh, meet an older chiropractor from Vegreville. He had been practicing 46 years and his son was practicing 14 and he was grumbling in the back that they were trying to rebrand something that he had seen it in 1970. He saw it again in 82. He saw it again when I saw it. And 
So he asked me where I practiced. I said, Weston in Edmonton. He said he needed some cards from me because he was going to send some patients in that went to school. And two weeks later, I got a, a letter from him in the mail saying he was going to retire and his son was moving. And did I know anybody who would like to purchase a practice? And I had a bad staff meeting uh, that day with uh, the practice I was in. And my wife of four months and I took a trip out to Vegreville, walked into a clinic that hadn't been updated since 1952. And, uh, <laughs> swinging saloon doors and everything. Swinging and saloon it, doors. Wow. Yeah, right down the hallway. Yeah. Did they have and, a place for the horse out front? You could like do the, the, uh, ironically, the <laughs> ironically, Don, the, the building was the old livery stables for the creamery. Oh, no way. <laughs> And yeah, in 1950, put up wood paneling, like the 1950 wood paneling in three different tones and colors. And <laughs> within 10 days, I bought the practice. I walked into my oldest, my associate in Edmonton, thanked him for being there. I yeah. said, you can buy my practice. I said, it's free, it's yours, but you owe me 50% 50 for anybody who shows up for the next year. And he goes, oh, nobody's going to show up, don't worry. And that was the best thing I signed because everybody was under a schedule of care and they understood why. And every time they said, but he wants me to quit or he says, come back whenever. And he said, I don't come back whenever I come back in 10 days. I come back in two weeks. And so I moved out to Vagerville uh, 23 years ago now. And wow. uh, yeah, it, was, it was fun. So we moved out here with $600. <laughs> so it's just like, just giving her, right? It's almost like going like a homestead going out to the Wild West. Right. Oh, and, and it is, you know, the rural practice versus uh, the city of Edmonton practice is that, City of Edmonton at 65, you retire. You go get a gold watch, you go to a senior center, you do things like that. I came out here and the first patient was, he was 80 years old and he, I, I watched him get adjusted by Dr. McKenzie, Bob McKenzie. And I thought at 80 years old, I thought, okay, a light force technique or anything like that. No, if his belly button didn't touch the floor and he was like <laughs> the old school hands-on care, yeah. he got 80 head of cattle that day. And I said, well, with who? And he goes, well, they're mine. Uh, today I had, or on Friday I had an 89 year old who does, you know, 350 acres by himself still. So, so they're, they're still just active and like uh, hit pushing 90 years old. Yeah. The expectation out here is I, I got it. I I'm going like, tell me what I need to do. You're here to keep me moving the best I can. Don't tell me to slow down. So that's what, that's the group I live in now. Vegreville's the largest amount of seniors in all of Alberta is in our place here. Yeah. Well, and then that's the baby boomers, right? Are all going into seniors. And that we, we've talked about that quite a bit, even with Brandy's, we always talk about, you know, it's important to see the kids and all that, but like seniors are going to be a huge factor coming down the road and chiropractic care makes an insane difference on their quality of life. Like just even for mobility and all that kind of stuff. It, it does. So I move out here and everything's going great. And then um, Dr. Martin's told me to go to Parker seminars. And so when I moved out here in 96, I started going to Parker seminars and they said, jump on this GTO thing because the grand tour organization, you can't learn it all in one day. So let's do it seven seminars in a row. And, and we went through and I was very fortunate then that Parker was still having, when you arrived there, you got four volumes of books, the Parker success manuals, and you got these books and you said, learn these scripts and do this and you'll be good. Uh, Willie Kindred, Rick Wren, uh, Jill LaMarche, Gene Orlowski, all these gurus that I, I was just in awe of these people. Yeah. Well, they were speaking from the top, but then they'd come back and they were so nice to you uh, yeah. and they wanted you to succeed. And at that point, that was their intention all the time is they wanted the best for you. And they would say, do two things, do three things, but don't just stagnate at home. You mm -hmm. go back to a seminar and you had to go back. And that's actually where I first met you and Brandy because of the fact that um, we were at the airport going to Parker Vegas in 2001 and you were just going down for your first Parker seminar. And yep. that's where we got to meet you in the airport. And that's we're going, funny, hey. Cause that was in like whatever, January, February, right? Yep. 2001. And uh, we, and me and Brandy weren't even married yet because we didn't get married till the August of that same year. So that's pretty oh, cool. Okay. Well, that's cool. <laughs> So we went, we went down and you guys were just going down for your, your first Parker. And yeah. we, I think by that time we had been down to 20, you know, at, at the, at the peak, I've done like 55 of them. And a lot of them were in a row, in a row, in a row all the way through. Um, but we went through that and then all of a sudden 2001 came around. It was really busy for us. And I met uh, Patrick Gentempo mm -hmm. and Patrick and I got to talking a lot and, 
Brenda and my wife and I went through Body for Life. It was a program back then that said 12, 12 weeks to change your body. I remember that. I did that too. Yeah, <laughs> and we actually got a, a personal letter still signed from Bill Phillips that said, you just missed the top 10, but thanks for playing, you know, type of thing. No way. And we have this thing signed up on the wall, and the before and after pictures were amazing. And I went to Parker Seminars, and Dr. Chen Temple was there, and he buttered me up. He, he was at the CLA booth, and he said, come on over. And he says, man, you look in shape and everything. And he talked to me, and what did I do with diet and nutrition? And he says, I need a volunteer. Would you like to take your shirt off and to get a scan done? And I said, sure. So he did a thermal scan on me. And that's when, again, a pivotal moment in my life changed because he said, hey, do you, what do you know about the nervous system? And it was just basic things, and where do the nerves go, et cetera. Yeah. And he's like, tell me your family history. Dad died of heart disease and stroke. Mom's had heart disease, a couple of heart attacks, brother's high blood pressure. And he goes, look at this thermal scan. He says, see the colors, white's good. And the mine were blues, reds, blacks, all in the mid thoracics. And he said, uh, hey, if this was your dad's scan, where do these nerves go? And I said, heart and lungs, digestion, things like that. And he goes, so would chiropractic care have saved your dad? Did he go to a chiropractor? He goes, no. I said, what, do you, what did it save your dad? And I said, well, there's a lot of things. He's a type A personality, et cetera. And he says, okay, fair enough. He said, let's change one word. Could chiropractic care have saved your dad and your mom and your brother or through all this if the nervous system was communicating better? And I said, yeah, I, I, I can go with that, yes. He goes, so if these scans are yours, are you just bad deck of cards and you have bad family health or bad communication? So he says, you feel good, you look good, but you're not healthy. Mm-hmm. So I went, crap, I just done all this other stuff so hard. So I went back, went back to seeing my chiropractor three times a week, no questions asked. I wanted to change things. And on the next Parker seminar, I was nearly walking up to his booth, tearing off my shirt and scanned me again. And he scanned me and things had changed. And he said, okay, so what did you change? I said, nothing but the chiropractic care. And he goes, exactly. Mm-hmm. He said, but how many of your patients are dying at home without you, them knowing because you, you made them feel good, but they're not healthy. Yes. And that's where we had to start doing things differently than just talking about pain. And that's where later on the vitality shift resonated so well. Mm-hmm. So did you get a scan? Did you get like a CLA substation right away or well, actually, yeah, we, so we went to that seminar, said, yeah. my wife was there with me, of course. And I said, Brenda, we got to do this stuff. And she looked at it and said, that's a lot, a lot of nice colors, you know, but she says, we don't have any money for this whatsoever. Because at the time I think it was like 30 grand us to do it. And, <laughs> and it was 66 cents on the dollar Canadian for the, the conversion rate. Wow. And I said, my, I told Patrick, I said, and Brock Rasho was the, um, he's VP now, but he was the salesperson at the time. I said, this isn't going to fly if I can't get my whole, everybody on board with this. I said, you have to talk to my wife because she's (laughs) running all this stuff. So at the end of it, Brenda became the first non-doctor to go to Total Solutions with me in Boulder, Colorado. They said, well, the only way we're going to get this to work and to get a CLA pin on Dan is to have his wife come. So, and my wife was into fitness and everything. So she went up to the mountain and to this day, they still keep calling her, you know, doctors, Dan and Brenda Fisher. And she has her, uh, doctorate uh, in, in chiropractic, even though she's not a chiropractor, but we went to total solutions, did everything from September 5th, the 9th, 2001. And we came home and we had shipped our CLA, um, equipment. If people know it comes in a big gray box and it has all these wires and leads and everything. And we come home and September 11th happens, 2001. Yeah. And we had seen people who were from New York who had afterwards had rushed to ground zero because of the fact of everything that happened. We had a person in my CLA class that they're, while they're taking care of um, people, one person was on their table and their daughter phoned and said they knew their mom was going to be at the chiropractic office and said, what's wrong? Something's wrong here. Can you tell me what's happening? Because they told me that there's a fire in the tower, but it's to stay put. And she said that they were actually talking to the person and watching the news when the second plane hit and her daughter was killed. And they were actually talking to the person in the, in the chiropractic office. So it was, it was, it was devastating, but it was also a bonding moment for all of us because that was our calling was, was more, these people rushed down and they said, why would a chiropractor go to ground zero? 
and it's because that's where they needed to be. And you know, there's so many people realize that firefighters went down, but when you see these rescues and you see hurricanes and stuff, there's chiropractors on the ground um, yeah. doing things. Well, we know now, like when you go into such a sympathetic storm and your and your body goes into that huge fight or flight, chiropractic is a huge uh, tr- trigger to help kind of release that and get those parasympathetics coming back, right? So that's a, a huge importance in that time of trauma. Yeah, so we it was just transformational with those things, but the total solutions uh, up on the hill was to tell us what um, what changed, and uh, we came back the the B part of B do have changed because we were someone totally different, and the practice shot up tremendously, mm-hmm. and we paid for our equipment, our scanning equipment. We actually made more in the first three months before our scanning equipment because we got a home. We didn't get our scanning equipment till December first. Because it had been open multiple times for bomb threats because it looked like a bomb. Oh, so, so it took a long time for it to get through customs. Yeah, two and a half months. And by that time, it had already been paid for because our practice had increased that much already due to our certainty. <laughs> That's hilarious. And it hadn't even come yet. That's great. Without, yeah, without going through like that. So <laughs> that's where we that's where we have. And then I'm the person that bought a lot of baubles at Par- Parker. I bought the next greatest thing. I listened to a speaker and went, wow, this is great. I bought their stuff. And I'd listen to it, and it didn't didn't resonate with me, and I'd fall off. I bought a, I, I went out for coaches over the last number of years, and I think of one of the last coach I had before the shift, and I basically lost a hundred thousand dollars in a year, and it's because of the fact that they said this is how it has to happen, this is how you have to talk. And I said, but we're losing patients; they don't understand, they don't realize what we're doing, and. He says, you know, they'll all come back that once they see what you have and everything. And we just watch things go. But because we didn't know how to correct in the moment, mm-hmm. I would have said, now I would have said, thanks, but we're not playing anymore. But we let them lead down the road for a year thinking, oh, but we'll do it next time. It'll be better. Next time we'll be better. And yeah, we calculated. And when I was coming on this call, we'd, I look back and the notes say 107, 107,000 before we let them go. Because that's how much we lost in, from the year before, just because okay. of the fact that the communication style he had and what we were trying to do wasn't resonating. It wasn't real. So this is a great point because there's going to be lots of like chiropractic students listening to this. And then there's also a lot of new chiropractors watching this as well. So what kind of advice would you have for them if they're looking for a coach? Because like you said, you kind of let it go a little bit further and it was because it kind of, it was a, definitely, it was a communication style. It did not match your communication style, right? Is that what the kind of key thing was? Yeah, it didn't match my communication style. It didn't match the philosophy. You know, so when we look at this, um, we want to make sure that someone isn't just saying, here's the script. This is what I did. Do it. Or are they in the trenches still? Because I really, life is changing so quick. What used to work five years ago isn't the way we communicate now. People want quick things. They want quick fixes. They, they can get information very quickly. So if they said, hey, I did this. I had a booming practice in 1985. Um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be seeing. There's maybe some value in it. Yeah. But, but, and maybe some historical value. But you have to wonder, know, what are they looking for? Are they going to take what you do and enhance what you do? Or are they trying to make a new you? Mm-hmm. So with the vitality shift, when you guys put it on, I, and I went and I said, oh, you guys are beta testing, and I think it was July, July of 2017. Um, I said, hey, there's another bobble. We'll, we'll, we'll buy it, and it'll be great. Um, and it was a nice, shiny new thing. The difference was um, this time, um, when you guys said, this, I, we, we, we could get some help with the vitality shift. Yeah. Um, but when I looked at it, it didn't give me a single answer. <laughs> or, that was the thing. Or, or a script i went like <laughs> okay okay so the next thing you said okay you said dan this will help but you didn't um you, but you made me made me analyze everything that was going on and tried to make me figure out where i wanted my practice to go rather than somebody else and i said well i said well then brandy you told me you're here to help me and brandy would say but i'm here to tell you that nobody's going to help you <laughs> that you're the one that's going to help yourself in all of this. So that's where I say to the new grads, the difference between the vitality shift and every other thing I've done before is this one comes from within. You know, you're going to see people excel and like a book, they're going to read chapter one through 20. And some people read slower. 
So they're on chapter three right now. And some people I went in the shift at the beta testing group, I'll say on chapter 18 of flying and, and I look up and it's not envy. I am, I am so proud that, that these guys, Ben and Allison have, have taken off and we see Kelty do lots of things. Yeah. And I'm just saying, you know what, for me, it's slow and steady wins the race. I, I've taken the program and I've had to do different things with it. And that's yeah. why I think I can take the vitality shift. And when, when I get my looking back internally and these new grads, there's a lot of gems that we can come from it. And there's a lot of us inside the shift that can help because mm-hmm. we've gone through it. You know, at this stage of my life, I'm not, or in practice, I'm willing to help a lot of younger ones because the fact that you know, like our parents, we don't want them to go through the same things. They don't right. want to buy all these programs and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. And so what do you think? So when you got the shift and then you, you kind of went through and realized, oh my gosh, they're not just going to give me like, uh, like we always say, we're not making muffins, right? <laughs> so, so when you realize you just aren't going to get like a ingredients list, um, tell me, did you get some kind of a haze out of that? Like when you started to figure out stuff, because really it's it, the basic thing is that this, these are concepts that are a la carte and then you, you want to express it through your own self because there's only one Dr. Dan Fisher. There's only one Dr. Don McDonald. And so we want to make it authentic. So was there any kind of like a haze you had when you started having it come from inside you rather than doing what other people tell you? Yeah, I was um, looking at my belief systems and trying to figure out where they came from because the fact that did they come from Dr. Dan Martin? And that's where he had a certain practice and he only had one table and he had jump rooms that you came in from. And was that the best way of doing things? So that was my belief that that's what chiropractic was. Was right. it through CMCC? Was it through my parents with, with, uh, with money? Before we could raise our fees, I actually had to wrap my head around my belief system of my money. And why did I think that it was chiropractors should be on the lower end and we should just we should be 2% above our, uh, um, what it costs to see a patient just because of the fact that we're doing it out of self. And, you know, they say, oh, but, you know, that uh, you, you shouldn't worry about money so much. Uh, it's all the root of all evil. All these things that came through. Yeah. So every new grad's going to see the same thing. So I looked at things like um, I didn't like being in practice with a bait and switch. They said, talk about the low back pain. But once you get the low back pain, switch it over to healthcare, health, and they'll, they'll stay. And <laughs> new grads, that's not the way to do it. <laughs> anybody, that's not the way to do it. If you're straight up front with them at the beginning, yeah. I find that once I wrapped around my head of what I wanted them to experience in the office, then it was really easy because my belief system of bait and switch or people won't accept my care. Or boy, if I say four and a half months of care starting at, you know, three times a week for the first six weeks and all this, they're going to go, oh my God, they won't accept care that way. Then one of the things that you guys, both you and and, uh, Brandy said was, were there times where you did tell them that big schedule care and it worked? So I said, well, yeah, I I said that these three people who are more, I was more comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And they actually accepted care when we didn't dumb down chiropractic care, but told them the true story. Were there people who actually accepted the story? And he said, yes. So then my belief system got shattered because you can't, a belief isn't true if it actually doesn't, if it works. It has so to be a hundred percent of the time, like guaranteed, never, ever going to fail in order for it to be truth. But if right. there's times where it's not true, then it's not a, it's not a straight across truth. Right. So as soon as we saw that for the new grads is what, what you guys are thinking about or anybody on the podcast is what you think is a truth. Really look and see if there's any time where that truth gets disrupted. So I said, staff is blocking my growth. I go and I talk and say, you know what, if, if this appointment book would just work better, if they would just double your book this way, life would be good. But then there's times where they, did book the way they wanted to and it flew perfectly. So they weren't blocking me. And I found out it was me that was blocking everybody. <laughs> if, they, if they didn't. Oh, hey, you got to hate when that happens. You're like, damn it. Damn it. If, if well, they, every time you turn around, there you are. <laughs> if the staff didn't believe in me and believe what I was saying, and they didn't believe in the B part of me that I could do my part, then they blocked it, not because of the fact that they were blocking, is because they said, this is all that they can handle until I changed, the staff couldn't change. Now that they see that I'm changing, then they're more willing to play the game. They're more willing to get in on this. They're more willing, I look and go, hey, hey, hey. And they said, don't worry, you'll be okay. You know, just put some duct tape across your mouth and keep adjusting. You know, 
<laughs> Stop this talking is what so much. <laughs> Don't talk so much. Yeah. So I think that's the that's the big thing is there's a lot of belief systems that are out there that um, we we need to uh, deconstruct and actually ask people why do you believe this stuff? Why do you believe when they say money is the root of all evil? It's supposed to be the lust of money is the root of all evil. But you know people leave that first part out all the time. You have to be a for-profit chiropractic office. If you're Unless you're already like independently wealthy and you're just doing a charity. Well, that's what we always say all the time. Like you could do that. Yeah. Right? But uh, Dr. Jim Temple said the best way to help the unfortunate and the poor is don't be one. Right. You know? it, 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 because if you actually have the income that you can give back and tithe back the way you want to, that's yeah. wonderful. But if you're just struggling to make ends meet all the time, it, it's not going to be beneficial for anybody. Well, and I think that was one of the things too, is that if you are just barely having a profit and you're, and you're looking at your debt and you're stressed out about money all the time, even though you're trying to be in service, you're in the sympathetic mode. So it still affects you as a chiropractor. And, and so I was wondering if you'd be willing to, to share your story about um, getting more knowledgeable about your business and more knowledgeable about money, because you made a couple of really good shifts in your finances to help kind of take some of the pressure off. And, and especially I think now in practice, you kind of realize like your kids are, are growing up and you're like, Oh yeah, like at some point I'm probably going to retire and I better have some savings or <laughs> something. So maybe, cause I think that probably was part of your deconstructing that money, that money belief system. So maybe just talk a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah. Um, basically I say to everybody now, I, any new people I talk to, um, I say, know your business. Um, mm -hmm. when we actually say, know your business to say, what does it cost you to see a patient? And they quickly say of the $50 is 22. And I said, okay, that's great. 22 to see a new patient that, or see a patient on a daily basis. That's great. But when we actually deconstruct that, we said, how much for me, it was how much does it cost to run Fisher chiropractic? And that was my wage coming out of it. It was the staff's wage. It was the lighting, the electrical, everything that you can tie into the visit. That's that we came to a number and let's say that was $20,000. Well, that $20,000 people say, Oh, see divide by how many new patients or how many patients you get. And it's costing you $30 a visit to, to see people. And you have a profit of $20. The mistake is you still have to, if I'm the only one bringing an income to my family, then the next income that has to be brought into the, the fold is I have my business income, but now I have to put my house expenses in here as well. So Casa de Fisher here, uh, we have all the stuff <laughs> with our mortgages here and our running of our house here, feeding the dogs. I have two university uh, students that are going through education right now. So we have that. Yeah. So you, now you pile it in and you go, oh, okay, now you take the clinic expense, the, the family expense, add them together. And they say, okay, now the new grad says, we're done. And they divide that and say, okay, we're still good. It's $38. But the last um, ex expense sheet that you need to bring in is your wish list. You do want to retire. Even before you graduate, you want to retire. You have to. You want to buy a new car every 10 years cash. You want to go on three trips a year because that's what you think chiropractors do. Um, or you want a boat like I know you love boats. Yeah, boats, cars, <laughs> things like that. You have all this stuff. And what I say, that's my wish list. That's, that's, if, if life was perfect, what would it be? You max out everything. If you say my spouse wants to work in the clinic, but she doesn't want to work outside, well, then her income has to be in part of the clinic and stuff. So when you would add that one in, then we found out that not only did we max what we were making, but some of these care schedules I had in the office, I was actually paying the patients to be there. <laughs> that sounds like clinic when you're in school trying to get your numbers. <laughs> yeah, and, and people say it can't be that bad, but we had a family plan that said three or more people, we would just take care of the, the fourth person so they wouldn't stay at home. You know, so if it was a small baby, if they paid for three people, then we paid for the fourth, there was no problem. But when we had three families come in and they all had three people, or sorry, they had nine people. We, I had 27 people in the waiting room one day and I was only getting paid for nine and the Ooh. other group was all free of charge. So all of a sudden you're, you're saying, well, it's, it's costing us $54 a, a person, but you're only having 50. So I think for, for grads, for, for people who've been out 10 years, for people who are struggling is go through and actually do three checklists, your clinic, your house, and your, your wish list, 
put them all together and then find out how much it is per, per visit. You divide by the total number of patients you see in a month and, and find out how much it costs you per, per person to see a person. Mm-hmm. And I think that was eye-opening. And if you're, my wife works outside of, at a different place. So our, our, her income does get incorporated. So it's mm-hmm. into our family, but it still happens to be there. And if she doesn't want to, if she wants to retire in three years, then we have to you know, recover that as well. So those are the first, those are the things. And then the other one, Don, that you touched on was knowing your, your expenses, of your clinic, just because you pay a phone bill doesn't mean it's the best phone bill ever. So I phoned Telus, our local phone supplier here and said, is this the, is this the best? And they said, well, we can't phone everybody. I said, Oh, so it's not the best. And I hung up the phone an hour later and we had $189 taken off, you know, our fax per month, right? Per month. Yes. And then we went to another one and another one. And I went to the uh, gas supplier, the electrical supplier, the headrest paper supplier. We went through every single thing. We ended up being right now. I just looked, it was $669 a month difference just from all the suppliers. And so that's the, everything stays exact same. You just got it for a better price. Right, because, and it was on their website or anything, but because we had been doing it this way, we had a contract with them and they just kept on billing us the same amount or headrest paper, company A was the only one that used to do it. Company B, same paper, same box, same from China, whatever, but they were 30% less. So if you can, if you can reduce your overhead by 30%, it's great. And new grads coming out, you can't take $5,000 a month out of your line of credit every month because you think you deserve it, is that you may actually have to live on macaroni and cheese still because you're, you just, you're not putting out the numbers yet. Totally. Yeah. And then you also did some stuff with consolidating debt. That was kind of cool too. When you went in and kind of looked at your overall debt and you consolidated some stuff and you didn't, didn't you sort of save like on, on that as well? Yeah, we went through and uh, we figured that everybody else, every other, um, organization we were going through and asking for for deals so we went in and said we have some things coming up we if we can condense two loans together if we can have one payment and yeah that that dropped off another five six hundred dollars so you know it, it sounds like big numbers but all of a sudden you can drop off a thousand dollars a month twelve hundred dollars a month that might be that second person or that might be a, a second ca that it can explode your practice more or a CA in general, because I know there's some people out there that don't actually have any assistance and they're doing it on their own and they could explode so much better if they had one extra person with them. Yeah. And I got to thank you on that one too. Cause then after you did that, I was like, I wonder, cause my telus, my telus phone bill was huge for the practice as well. So we called them and we dropped it and then just re renegotiated it and dropped our phone bill by $250 a month too. Yeah. That was, that was good. That was from you even. I was like, Hey, I should try that. And, and it even worked for us. So that was great. <laughs> so a lot, a lot of times what I find with the shift right now, Don, if I had to say, you know, how it's helped is a lot of it has been, um, I, I procrastinated before you know, I get paralysis by analysis. I'd have to ask 52 people to make sure it was right. And the moon and stars had to align before I did anything. And now I look and saying it's better to have it done than perfect. So we don't procrastinate as fast and a lot of people won't tolerate it anymore. Make a decision. Let's move forward. What do you want to do? So for a person who is a lab who likes outgoing and wants to ask everybody, it was a little bit more uh, focused for me. Um, The other one was failure to launch. We would never send anything until the paperwork was perfect, until the speaking engagement was perfect. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, you know, with the failure to launch, it's fail faster. Go out and do a talk and have the talk and come back and go, well, that went well, except this. Well, then just change it. If you right. did something, you built a welcome card and you spent it and you went and after using it for a month, you don't like it. Don't keep paying it. Don't keep using the one. Don't send it back to Vista print again and print the same thing. Mm-hmm. Fail faster, change something. So now in our paperwork and everything, we only print 10 instead of having a copy of a hundred from Staples or something. We have 10 because this time if 10 and we find something, we automatically change it for the next 10 and we go through. So for people is, you know, watch out to failure launch, just get something done. You know, when we actually go through the shift, everybody in the shift wants you to succeed. And that's where we wanted to show people that you can go from having patients that are in a stress response and the chiropractic adjustment moves them towards a state of ease. Tell everybody that. But if you're in a stress response because you won't do anything in your practice, you have to move yourself towards a state of ease in your practice, which is do something. Get right. off your butt and do one thing, even if it's a phone call, even if it's a, you know, a thank you or a handshake, just do it and do it consistently for a period of time and you'll see a change. 
Well, and I'll just say just, just from uh, like observing you too, just to see your growth in the last little while, because, um, and this goes to the next thing is just even leadership. Cause you know, in Alberta and Canada, we, we were having challenges with chiropractic where you know, we have the big MSK movement. And a lot of times when we get, uh, Big groups of people together. Uh, we we have our people who need to speak out at like things like AGMs and 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 town hall meetings and all that kind of stuff. And um and and you've you've always I I know you've always stepped up to to say to go speak at the mic or go talk um at these events. And I know in the past because the same as me is when you're really emotional about it, you kind of feel like you kind of stutter and kind of feel nervous. And 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 just to see you, we just had an AGM just a little while ago, and you came up and. And, and said your piece at our AGM and you just came across very calm and very, very confident. And it was, I was so proud of you because it was like, it was just such a huge difference because I think in the past you've always looked for outside stuff or outside permission to do things. And I think now you're starting to move towards doing stuff from the inside. And, and it's really, I think it's really showing through. I think I was looking for validation is I'd always have to say, okay, if I say this, is everybody going to agree with me? And I think what's happening right now is, if I was waiting to get an agreement right now, we're having so many outside influences dictate their scope of chiropractic with, with the scope of care that we have, that if we're silent now, then the silent, they'll just keep, it'll keep changing. You know, I hate to see what I saw with Dr. Martin when I saw with Dr. McKenzie, Bob, Dr. McKenzie practiced for 50 years and four months. When I came here, he said, do you know anything about toggle? And I said, heard about it in school didn't really do it. And he pulls out a dusty speed board in the back and he says, this is what we're practicing on every day. And you go and, and, and people will come in and say, well, Dr. McKenzie is responsible for so many pregnancies here in Vegreville and this, and they're going, what? But he said, <laughs> going through and they, they would come in, they come into our office and say, we're going to, we want to get pregnant. We want a healthy body. We want to do this. Can you check me? Well, my waterworks aren't going. Can you help me? And he says, every time this person comes in, I can tell you for the last 15 years, it's, I write down water, his words, water works, not working. We adjust him and all of a sudden it goes through. He's never had back pain in his life. So to see the scope in a rural practice and to see this and see so many things that can happen. And then we see the outside saying, but if we say these things or want to research these things, um, that we're going to lose funding. If we're going to lose our share of the insurance. Yeah. And I think, but this is what people need. This is what people want. Um, so we have to, we have to keep plugging through with organizations and, and tell the chiropractic story within our walls. And when people say my child is walking this week because he wasn't walking at 16 months and now he walks, you know, two adjustments later, I say, please go tell all your friends what experience you have here. Because I said right now I can't. Right. So we have to get our testimonials through our patients. But if they remove all our testimonials, then pretty soon they say, well, you have no proof. You have no following. You have nobody to give people hope because you have no testimonials out there anymore. So right. I, I see that uh, we need better language for people. We need to have, you can't have the incongruent language. If you're talking about back pain, but you say you're vitalistic, uh, people will catch that. Mm. You know, and we have to change our language. And that's what the shift does. It catches us. I always, when I, when I speak, I don't, if people don't know uh, Don's wife, Brandy, um, if she heard me speak, sometimes when I go into a report of findings, I have a, a, a little sign on the wall that says PTC, which is present time consciousness from Parker. And I actually have two, these two little circles in the room and I touch it. But when I touch it for what my thoughts are grounding me in that room, it's also if Brandy was sitting in the room behind me, and listening to my report of findings, what would I be saying? And is it congruent? Because of the fact that there has to be some accountability, but I, that's with anybody. If Tiffany from the shift were, was to listen to me, they go, yes. And if there wasn't anything, they'd also say, yes, but they would be nice enough to point something out to help me grow rather than to scold me or say, ha, he did it wrong. That's not what we do. It's, it's all about having a group of people who are, um, united through diversity that everybody in the shift is different, yeah. but we're still focused on one thing and getting the message across that this is what people need. This is our, our paradigm of getting people to optimum health rather than just pain relief is, is what the shift is all about. And I appreciate what you and Don, uh, you and Brandy have been doing. 
Well, and that's cool. And like I said, we, we, it's not that we don't talk about pain, right? Because pain is part of it, but we never stop there and we lead it into to, to the other things, right? So we're always trying to meet people where they're at and then try to bring them along the continuum as, as we go. Right. So that people always come in with pain and, you know, you, you have to go across the bridge like a rope bridge and meet them halfway and say, yeah, I agree you're in pain, but come this way and you, you can show them what you have to offer. Now, if we took that approach to um, research right now, the MSK, where we see our researchers at our, all our centers having to adapt their um, conversations to become more like medicine so they can get the research grants and they talk more like it. I would wish they would come and meet them at the conversation that they have and then introduce their researchers to our way of communicating, our way of thought, and take them by the hand and say, that's great that you do low back, but did you know that low back also has nerves that control bowel, bladder, reproductive organs? Have you ever thought about researching that? And I think that if they would actually meet the researchers, the MSK halfway, and agree that chiropractic is, has that ability, but here's so much more we need to research. I think that the research dollars in Canada, if we could actually say, guys, we're really good at low back. We've done this. We, everybody agrees we're low back. But what about the other nerves? What about the other things that are going on? Can you please expand your research and come with us to this journey to show that people don't need the opioid crisis? People don't need this because their bodies are in a, a sympathetic rush and sympathetic dominance all the time. Chiropractic care with Heidi's research shows that we can calm right through to prefrontal cortex through the power of the adjustment, bring you to a state of ease. This is what people need to hear every day in the office rather than lie down, I'll crack your back, you're good. That's, mm -hmm. that's not what they need anymore. No. And that's not what they're willing to do either. Yeah. Well, our time has come. Thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate it. It's so fun to see you go through your whole journey and, uh, and especially just, uh, you know, being so welcoming when I first met you back in 2000 and, or actually it was before that yeah. 2000, uh, I think it was 2000 actually that Brandy moved to Vegreville so that we're, we're, um, we were there. So we've gone back a long way. We both come a long way. <laughs> and you in five years, we're going to be totally different because we have to, you have to level up the, like you, like Brandy said in the first podcast, well, who I was last week isn't who I need to be next week because you, there's constantly changing and shifting. You know, it's Sunday. I'm still going back to the practice today because I want to change something. So Monday morning we have something different, mm -hmm. but the difference is going to be good. Different if, if you don't change, you're stagnating. And that's what I see right now is that everybody move forward. So hopefully with this, people will come and join the shift and join the same likeness as everybody else and, and see the benefits that you can produce. That's cool. So you have chiropractors all over the world, all the way in Australia, New Zealand, and the UK, all over the place, United States, Canada. Um, what kind of parting words of wisdom or inspiration would you like to leave uh, the, the shift nation with? <laughs> I, I think the right, right now, the one that, that's uh, helping me most is from a fellow shifter, Allison, who's in Australia, right? Yep. Yeah. She, uh, when she said it on her, one of her, her videos that she has on the shift, um, she said GSD. And that was get shit done. Uh, resonates with me really well right now because the fact that we all sit around and we say tomorrow, tomorrow we'll do this tomorrow. And if you go into your staff and you go into yourself and say, today is the day to GSD, they'll get it really quick. <laughs> don't need to swear or anything like that, but get shit done is, is more than that's the procrastinator in me saying, let's get things done now rather than let's wait. Let's wait till it's better. Let's wait until they review a chiropractic. Let's wait till this. We can't. Today is your day. Go out and get shit done. Join the Vitality Shift. Listen to another podcast. Go for a run. Pack your dog. Whatever you need to do today, but get it done. Wow. Look at that. Ends with, a, with a fury. Good, <laughs> good job, Dan. <laughs> well, um, everybody out there, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. That was great. There's lots of really good uh, tips today. We really like, I love how we focused on the business aspect of it because as a, it, we're a healing profession. So a lot of us typically didn't come into this for the business aspect of it, but then all of a sudden we're in a healing profession and we're thrown into a business because, you know, without the healing aspect, the business doesn't survive and without business knowledge and, and any profitability, the business doesn't survive. So we need to be, uh, have our hands in both worlds. So thanks Dan for sharing that with us today. Okay, enjoy. So everybody out there, I uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast until next time. Take care. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you've received value from this episode, please share this with a fellow chiropractor and take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever your favorite place is to listen to podcasts. If you're interested in learning more about our programs and events, please visit www.thevitalityshift.com or connect with me on Facebook. I would love to hear from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.